Hello, humans! Oh, my voice cracked on that one. Hello, humans, how are you? It's me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, it's Pride Weekend here in the Twin Cities. Whoa! Um, which means later today, on Saturday, uh, June 24, I will be staffing the AM 950 booth at, at uh, Pride at Loring Park in downtown Minneapolis. I will have my pup Jack there with me, so please stop by and say hello. Um, and we'll have some other folks from AM 950. We'll have swag. You can get bumper stickers. You can get, I don't know, pens or whatever. I don't know what else you're going to have, but candy. I'm sure we'll have candy. And so by all means, happy Pride to you. And um, and we've got another great show this week. The big interview is in honor of Pride uh, in Minneapolis. I'm going to be interviewing Philip Anthony, who has a delightful podcast, Downright Upright, on this very station. Uh, you're going to love the interview with Philip. He's full of energy. I think that that would be an understatement. Um, and in my C block, as usual, I'm going to talk about my work as an idealist, okay? Um, but with that, or so with that, Ellie, read the show notes. Let's start here in the A block with our featured idealist. Um, it is an organization. Now, sometimes I highlight individuals. Sometimes I li- highlight organizations. And I began thinking uh, and considering this idealist, idealistic organization with this week's incredible news about U.S. Supreme Court Justice Samuel Samuel Alito's relationship with billionaire conservative – that's with a B – billionaire conservative Paul Singer, and the six-figure salmon fishing trip that Justice Alito took to a luxury fishing lodge in Alaska, and I I believe it was in 28 or 29, but never, ever disclosed or reported. That has been the news this week, and it has included how Justice Alito flew on Singer's private jet all the way from Washington, D.C., Um, to an incredibly remote part of Alaska. Uh, The idealistic news organization that broke this story um, is ProPublica. And its reporters, Justin Elliott, Joshua Kapler, and Alex Merjeski. ProPublica is the same online news organization that broke the story about Justice Clarence Thomas and Harlan Crow. They're on a roll wonder if we're going to see something about Brett Kavanaugh because there's always been that question about who paid off Brett Kavanaugh's mortgage on his house. Um, but at any rate, Pro, uh, ProPublica broke the story about Clarence Thomas and Harlan Crow, and you know that story about Harlan Crow. Uh, well, at this point, buying uh, uh, the house that uh, Justice Thomas's mother lives in and mother lives in that house now that Harlan Crow owns – the mother, Clarence Thomas's mother, lives in the house without paying rent. Uh, you know, it, uh, don't get me started. Both of these stories about Justices Alito and Thomas have, have caused us as a country to question the objectivity and legitimacy of the Supreme Court. And and many of you know I'm a lawyer. Um, I, I'm a lawyer 41 years. I Never in my wildest dreams when I started practicing law in 1982 would I have ever imagined, ever imagined, that we would be talking about Supreme Court justices getting gifts of 
hundreds of thousands of dollars of magnitude uh, from from people who some of whom have business before the court, and that people would consider this okay. I, I that the, certainly the justices would consider it okay. I all right. So so all of this has caused the country to question the Supreme Court, um, and and this comes especially. Um, poignantly in the wake of reversing 50 years of precedent on abortion rights and gutting the Voting Rights Act. I mean, we're just, you know, it's a year ago uh, this weekend that Dobbs got struck down, that Dobbs struck down uh, Roe v. Wade. Well, all right. This is not a story about the Supreme Court. Maybe I'm going to do that another time. These stories have caused me to want to learn more about ProPublica and the work that it does. And uh, here's a spoiler alert. I am in love with ProPublica. Okay? I am. And I urge all of you to go to its website. All you got to do is ProPublica.org. Okay? Just Google ProPublica. Go to its website and sign up for its newsletter. I mean, it looks like it's got a really great newsletter. What is ProPublica? Other than holding Supreme Court justice accountable, what else does it do? Well, ProPublica is an online news source that was founded in 2007 with seed money from a couple of other billionaires, Herbert and Marion Sandler. They've both been CEOs of Golden West Financial Corporation. So now you got you got people with a gazillion dollars that now want to do something good in the news field, okay? ProPublica also has the distinction of being the first online news source to win a Pulitzer Prize. They earned that honor in, in 2010, literally only three years after they got founded. Within three years, they're earning a Pulitzer Prize, and that's for um, reporting on, on how staff at, the Memori- at Memorial Hospital in New Orleans had to make life and death decisions for patients uh, the hospital, when the hospital was cut off by the floodwaters of Hurricane Katrina in 2008. You may remember that story. Doctors were making decisions about who they could leave, who they could take, and who they could leave. And those that were going to leave were going to die. Since then, ProPublica has earned a total of six Pulitzers and numerous other awards. Now, think about that. In 13 years of ex- – no, uh, 16 years of existence, ProPublica has earned six Pulitzers. I mean, that is incredible. ProPublica's main newsroom and offices are located in Manhattan – And overall, the organization employs a staff of 100. The organization is a 501c3 nonprofit. That's kind of unusual if you ask me So, in the good sense, okay? And so because nonprofits have to do a lot of reporting, you know, and it's all public. All you got to do is go type in ProPublica 990 IRS form and you're going to be able to look into the inner workings of ProPublica. Um, and so because it's a 501c3, guess what? <clears throat> when uh, you do your end-of-the-year giving to the extent that you can with the way everything is with inflation, et cetera, et cetera, please consider donating to ProPublica. I know that ProPublica will be on my list at the end of 2023 to the extent I have anything to give away. And while ProPublica often works independently, it is as well frequently – partnering with other news organizations. For example, for example, ProPublica collaborated with our very own Minneapolis Star Tribune to track hate crimes in Minnesota. That was part of a larger product project 
called uh, uh, um, Documenting Hate, which began in the wake of the 2016 election. So if you go to the ProPublica site, you're going to see one of their projects is Documenting Hate. Although I tried to click on it today to find out stories because apparently they're supposed to have stories about about how people have been the subject of hate crimes. I couldn't get that to work, but nonetheless, you hear you read about the Documenting Hate project, and 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 part of this is important because, for example, ProPublica disputes the FBI's claim that about only six thousand hate crimes occur in America per year. Instead, ProPublica puts that number of hate crimes at closer to 250,000 every year. Think about that. It's just that many hate crime victims don't report the incidents and that many law enforcement organizations don't analyze crimes on whether or not they were directed against a particular person because of how that person identifies or the group they represent. As I researched ProPublica, it became clear to me that many of the major stories of the last decade, stories that are incredibly important to protecting humans and to ensuring that our democracy works, many of those stories in the last 10 years were the result of ProPublica's reporting. For example, it was ProPublica reporters who broke the tragic and cold-hearted, emphasizing those phrases, Trump administration policy of family separation at the southern border in 2018. That was a pro-publica team that broke that story. And then it was pro-publica in collaboration with the Marshall Project that in 2016 reported on how law enforcement systematically failed to investigate reports of rape properly or law enforcement failed to comprehend how rape traumatized its victims. That reporting, okay, about rape and law enforcement's deficiencies also earned ProPublica a Pulitzer. ProPublica also has offices in Chicago, Phoenix, and Atlanta, and in Texas, where it reports on local topics. Like here in Minnesota, if you go to the ProPublica website and you you hit the Midwest button, there's a story there about Minnesota's state nursing board, how it was and perhaps still is highly dysfunctional and failing to discipline, investigate and discipline cases of nursing uh, malpractice and and the violation of ethics. By the way, I love nurses. Please understand that. Nurses are incredibly important. I'm not trying to throw nurses under the bus. ProPublica's mission statement is, quote, investigative, investigative journalism in the public interest, unquote. And it certainly appears that the organization has done that in its mere 16-year existence. As I said earlier, go visit the ProPublica website and check out all, and I mean all, that they are doing. It is stunning. It is stunning. And it also happens to be incredibly darn important. Okay, that's our featured idealist for the week. When we come back, I'm going to do the interview of Philip Anthony. You're going to love Philip, he's just full of energy, as I said already. And then after that, you get my C-block. Listen to me, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a sec.
And we're back. LD 2.0 Radio. Um, so check out ProPublica. I, again, it's like, you know, one of those background organizations. You hear their name on the news and then you just never think about them at all. But please go think about them. It's well worth your time. Okay. And also today, well, incredibly well worth on your time is the big interview because – for the big interview, I have a colleague, an AM950 colleague, Philip Anthony here, to talk about pride, to talk about, you know, being queer, talk about all that. I didn't mean to out you there, Philip, but I know oh, that you're pretty public. Geez. Oh, my God. And so, and so we just thought, we'd, you know, it's Pride weekend, and we thought it'd be great to have Philip on and to talk, you know, a little bit about a variety of things. So, Philip, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. You've had me on your, um, uh, oh, I'm trying to get the name, Downtown Uptown. <laughs> downright Upright Show. <laughs> I don't know. I like Downtown Uptown. No, Downright Upright. Okay, I'm thank you. change the name, I think. It's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um, uh, upright, yeah, Downright Upright Show. You've had me on there, and so here's a little re- reciprocity. So, Philip, I'm going to guess... That I'm going to guess that some of my uh, listeners are well familiar with you, but I'm also going to guess because I have the, this niche show um, about idealism and idealists. I th- I think that I'm going to guess that some of them don't know about you. So do let's do a favor. Can you tell us a little bit about you and tell us a little bit about uh, Downright Upright, also known as Downtown Uptown, <laughs> your show. Yeah, I love that. Anyway, hello, everyone. Um, yeah, so I was born in New York um, back in year 19, some, some odd number, and um, moved here for work. And pretty much the show kind of fell into my lap. I was interviewed by um, someone who was on the Pete Buttigieg uh, campaign. Um, she had a podcast. Uh, during the election of 20, uh, 2020, the primary uh, election. And she uh, interviewed me, and I, I loved the whole setup she had. And, you know, and then I spoke to Chad. I had met him a couple of times at the Blue State Ball, and this just happened. <laughs> and Chad is the station owner, Chad Larson. Okay. Yes, he is. All right. Mm-hmm. And so he said, all right, we'll give it a try. And And so you've been on the station. You've been doing your show here for a about a year, is that right? A little over a year. The anniversary was last month. Okay. May. Well, congratulations. I'm really yeah. thrilled for you. Thank and you give so us much. an give us an idea. What what is the show about? I've gone through. I perused your um, inventory, and you know, there's a lot of politics there, but there's also some cultural things. So, what is the focus of Downright Upright? And uh, and you know, tell us what your plans are for the show going forward. Yeah. Well. Um, the downright upright show is basically going to be current events mixed with uh, politics, mixed with social issues. And the first half of the show, I interview my guest and asked him or her or whoever um, what um, interests them and what their job is. Sometimes I have authors, uh, politicians, um, you name it, professors of right. U of M, professors of whatever college. And then at the end of the middle of the show, it's called The Shift. Don't forget the F because then we have a problem. Um, and <laughs> you remember that, right, Ellie? I the, do. The F, yeah, you have to say the F, Shift. 
And uh, we then, uh, after the shift, we talk about current events. So it's more opinion at the second half of the show. And like things, for example, now we have, uh, um, you know, the Target and Starbucks issue where uh, they're pulling down LGBTQ uh, 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 merchandise and signs and things because people are upset about it. Yeah. And uh, that upsets me like to no end, you know, I mean, like, what are we, what are we invisible again? You know, and um, you know, you and I had gone through this back in the day. <laughs> so things like that, uh, politics of today, you know, the uh, former president and what's going on in his um, menagerie of, of a campaign. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and I and I and I learn from my guests. They they always feed me information that I've never known about. So yeah, of course, yeah. So and when it uh, a most basic question: When is your show on? So it's not. Um, it's a podcast at this point. Okay, it's not actually a radio show. Okay, at this point, so you could listen to it at any time you want. You just go onto the AM nine fifty website and look for my show. It's listed there, and then there's. So far, there's 32 shows, I believe. Uh, you were one of them. I, I was. And I was. thank you again for doing that. And uh, yeah, and there's politicians. I, I did. I just finished interviewing Scott Dibble. Which I was saw that. Incredible interview. Yeah. So I suggest your listeners listen to that one as well. And you do your own. You do some of your own editing. Is that right? Yes. If I if I sound dumb, <laughs> take out. I take that out. Or if I, you know, if if, if a, a guest doesn't like what they said or if they yep. made a mistake or whatever, I, I edit that out. But nothing, you know, nothing major. Okay. You know? All right. Well, great. So, Philip, um, uh, you've asked that we, you know, keep the identity uh, confidential, which I'm just thrilled about. That's fine. But you work for a company that has you traveling uh, um, somewhat. And, yeah. um, and that, that, Travel is across the U.S. or in places you sometimes in various states. So mm-hmm. I wanted to get a read from you, okay? And, and is it all right? And we didn't clear this beforehand, so I'm going out on a ledge, Philip. But, sure. you know, uh, you know the concept of passing in the queer community, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I will be the very first to say that I don't pass as long as I – as soon as I open my mouth, okay? You said that on my show. <laughs> okay, you know. And I'm going to go out on a little bit of a ledge here and, and because you are very energetic, okay? And I, yeah. I've, I've seen how you dress. I've seen, you know, it, it probably doesn't take a whole lot of people to, a whole lot for people to figure out that you're part of the community. Am I? Am I am I, not. You know am what? I offending you here by this? No. no. Okay. All I right. was in the closet so many years, Ellie. Um, I was suffocating. There was no oxygen in there. I had to open the door and come out. Okay. And when I came out, it was like, you know, the pom pom, the whole thing. I'm done hiding it. How and and how old were you when that happened? Uh, okay. So when I admitted it to myself, I still was in the closet. If you, if that makes any sense. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I so I kept it to myself at about eighteen. Okay. Uh, 1920, still to myself. I used to sneak into the city and go to the gay bars in the city by myself on the subway. We all, uh, we all did that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. And I tried to, uh, no, where were you? I have been trying to get, you know, oh, I was just shopping, you know, make your whole life is a lie. At that right. Point, you know? And when you finally come out, 
And when I finally did, it was like, I can't even, there's no yeah. words. No, it, euphoria and freedom. And, and so whole, how old, I mean, I didn't get to really do that till I was 52. How old were you? When I admitted it to everyone else, you mean? Right, yeah. uh, I would say I, I came out to my mom and she cried, but not because of the reason you think. I, uh, she cried because she said, I was, I'm an only child. And she said, does that mean I'm not going to have any grandchildren? You know, and that was, you know, the, that showed me that it was, that wasn't the issue that really affected her uh, emotionally. It was the grandchildren right. thing. Yep, yep. So she loved me from the moment I told her. So it was a wonderful coming out experience for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, and I assume you've been out for a number of years at this point. And so. Oh, well, I, well, you know, kind of young, don't you think? <laughs> it's been a while. Yes. Okay. And so. <laughs> the whole AIDS crisis, you know, the whole, I went through the whole gamut, you know. And, well, so let's get back to where we started going down this road, which is, you know, you have a, a job that gets you some, at some point, you know, with some frequency to different places in the country. You know, and I have talked about how we're turning into a red and blue country in many ways. What What are you finding when you're in places that would be considered red? Are people welcoming to you? You know, are you getting any obvious, you know, um, uh, um, marginalization? Are, you know, are people still very friendly with you and just treating you decent as you should be, you know? Um, Ellie, that's a really good question. Um, I've had experiences, but you see, I, I'm a cisgender white male. Right. I'm walking in white skin. And so I am, and I, unless I start, you know, getting very uh, animated, like, like you see right now, I pretty much could pass. Okay. You know, I, could, I could lower my voice, you know. And it, so it's not a big deal, you know, at, uh, unless someone brings up, for example, that, you know, they had the faith and freedom uh, coalition thing going on for the last few days. And I don't know. Issues, what, yeah, I don't know what that is. I haven't been paying okay, so attention. That's a, a religious um, right wing. Um, um, and a, again, when I say religious, there are definitely churches that are left wing churches that accept yeah. LGBTQ. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't want to you know, lump them together. But the uh, Faith and Freedom Organization uh, doesn't believe in gay marriage. They don't They don't believe marriage should be between a man and a man and a woman and yep. a woman. Yep. And so they're, that's, that's what they're doing right now. They're trying to get backwards. They're trying, like for, for abortion, they want to push us back. And so uh, when you go to some of these states, you'll hear some of that. Oh, two men getting married. You know, things like they'll make comments. And then, of course, me being, you know, who I am, I say, what's wrong with that? Hi, everybody. You know, right. I don't turn around and pretend I'm straight, you know, and go, oh, yeah, you're okay. right. Well, good for you. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I mean, I uh, I get looks. OK, um, but that's because people are reacting to the fact that the voice doesn't match the appearance. And and I I I'm not I don't linger around for them to like put, you know, 30 and 30 together to come up with 100. Um, you know, but but I get the looks and it reminds me always that I don't fit in, you know, and, and we don't need to dwell about me. So, all right. So, 
tell me what I mean. What's your thought? You've been interviewing people for your your podcast for over a year now. Are we are we headed, Philip, to um, irreconcilable red and blue? And have we left? Have we left this? Has the train left the station of the United States? You know, the United States. What do you think? Very frightening. I have to be honest with you. You know, again, growing up in the time that I did when it wasn't cool to walk in the street holding hands with your 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 partner, we used to call him those, or lover or whatever the term was in the 70s and 80s. Um, uh, now um, it's kind of, you know, they're reeling it in, you know, like a, like a fish, you know, yep. the fish was swimming and now it's coming back out. It's a backlash. And, yep. Backlash. Yep. Backlash. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel we need to be much more uh, uh, out there, visible, stop pretending to be, to fit in, you know, whether you're trans or gay, I mean, we have to, you know, there, there are people that are trying to separate the gay community from the trans community. I don't know if you've oh, heard. Oh, uh, there's no doubt. Well, there, there's organizations there's, uh, right now, like gays, what's it called? Gays for something. It's weird. <laughs> but they, they believe that, you know, trans kids are just really gay. And if you let them grow up, they'll be gay. And if you let them transition there, uh, we're going to have less gay people. I mean, this is the mentality. I mean, it's so strange. Um, and that's what we're dealing with, unfortunately. Right. Well, I mean, the trans community is an easy target for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And You're more visible than we are. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and part yeah. of the and, and, you know, and, and we, you know, acceptance of trans people is going backwards compared to where it was. And that's in part because of the propaganda and all the laws that they're passing. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so, it, yeah, but. But we don't need to go down there. Well, you know, I, um, I, um, unfortunately, I, I do fear and I do believe that that we are, if we haven't passed it, we're almost there to the pass, where it will become a permanent red and blue kind of distinction for our country, and that red and blue will permeate in a variety of. I mean, it'll permeate not only around, um, uh, you know, LGBTQ um, acceptance and rights or um, access to um, uh, health care for, for women. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I think that it will, you know, I mean, well, and it's also about voting rights at this point um, and, and methodologies. I mean, those three things right there, I mean, those are pretty solidly cemented. But it'll be other things like, you know, a living wage, you know, the minimum wage. It will be like... Um, uh, the ability to discriminate on, on religious grounds. It will be, you know, certainly it will be segregation along racial uh, lines. I, I don't have any doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, and class, classism, okay? And so um, I just, uh, I mean, I, I, th- I think, as I said, we're, we've either, we've either passed that, permanency or we're getting I mean we're like bumping up against it right now so but Ellie you know I have to say this though um as a Minnesotan and then um I I have to shout from the rooftops that I am so proud of this state yeah we have done things that I don't even think California did you know I mean 
women's women's uh, health care rights to to have if their if their pregnancy is is complicated along the way they don't have to worry about the doctor going you know what you know what i'm saying and yeah, and and, yeah. and 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 the life of, of 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 the mother is so much more important in minnesota than it is anywhere in the red states LGBT, of course, you know, the conversion therapy, I talked about this on my show. That was a big one for me. I have heard stories about Mm -hmm. uh, kids growing up in West Virginia, friends of mine that grew up in in that part of the world. And they used to put them in a coffin, the kids, you know, and beat them with the Bible to get try to get the gay out of them, you know. (laughs) No, I'm sure. I mean, it's, I know it's funny to, to us, but it's sad. Yeah, no, no. I mean, no, it's horrible. And of it's course, it shows the, it shows the ignorance and not understanding about human authenticity and the, and the human condition. Um, probably yeah. some of those people that were beating, um, you, you know, the gays were also on the side um, having same-sex relations or um, certainly were cheating on their wives, you know, kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, what about the guy that tapped his foot in the airport? Things like that. I mean, he was so anti-gay, right? The uh, senator, I forgot his name. Oh, yeah, Larry. Yeah, Larry. Larry, Larry Craig. Yeah, Larry Craig, yeah, yeah. He was a joke to me because, you know, he's there tapping his foot, you know, and meantime, he's talking about, like, taking our rights away and, you know, gay marriage is against God. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you know the drill that the, I mean, it's you know it's true that the the vast majority of homophobes are homophobic because they're trying to suppress their own same sex desires and mm-hmm. one of the ways you do that is you beat the crap out of somebody and and you know that's your way of getting your anger out at yourself about having these thoughts you know that kind of being stuff being horrible to someone like yeah. talking to them like uh that you know not human, you know, calling them every name in the book, dehumanizing, you know. So, yeah, I mean, Larry Craig was one example. I'm sure there's many others um, I, that I that are not crossing my mind. Yeah, but sure. we have to, again, I was talking to you about this before. We have to become more visible. Going to Pride, for example, to me is an important thing. Mass numbers of people showing, look how many gay people there are. Look how many trans people there are. Look how many queer people there are. And we get out there and we're visible. They're going to be like, oh, we don't want to mess with this community, you know. Well, and the thing that, you know, so last week was Pride in Chaska, Minnesota. I was there. I tabled there. We had maybe 300, 350 people come. Although our producer, Brett Johnson, rode his bike like, 25 miles to come out to the Pride to see me, which I really appreciated. But the thing that struck me, even in Chaska, and we will see this today at Pride and tomorrow, um, is that there'll be parents there with their kids, with their queer kids. And I make it a point, I made it a point last Saturday, I'll make it a point today when I'm out there at the table um, uh, at at our booth, that, um, that I will say to the parents after I say hello to their kid, um, I'll say to the parents, thank you for loving your kid. Um, I make it a point to do that because I think the parents need to hear that um, because it's not a given. We both know that. It's not a given that the kid will be loved. And so yeah. we need to reinforce it. Phil, or, uh, Aunt, uh, Philip, uh, we've got uh, th- about two minutes left. And so I always ask my guests, what made them idealistic? Okay. Um, and I, I'm not certain if you consider yourself an idealist, and I define that as somebody working to 
get positive change in the world. But if you are, if you consider yourself idealistic, what made you that way? How did you get there? Well, a lot of people, and if you listen to my show, I, I say it all the time. I, I use the term Pollyanna, which is a synonym, I think, for idealistic. And But it has a little bit of negative connotation as opposed to just saying you're idealistic. Because I always feel that there is, you know, love can spread if it is passed on to other people and they pass it on. And they, I interviewed someone who wrote a book about that, you know, uh, that how love can spread and how love travels. So, um, and another thing I wanted to just add really quickly before we end the show, um, my big thing is allies. When I go to Pride and I see straight people with ally uh, flags or I'm an, an ally shirt, or uh, because, you know, we need allies. It can't be just us supporting ourselves. We have right. to have the general community uh, support us. And I thank them with all my heart. Thank you so much for being here and supporting us. That, and I think all of us should do that. Oh, I agree. Well. Nope, I agree with you 100%. Our allies are incredibly important for us. Absolutely. And, and we need to be allies to other people. I mean, there is an intersection there. And Absolutely. You know, we need to show up for other folks. Um, it's called empathy. Yeah, well, you know, in, in uh, two weeks in Chaska, there's going to be um, drag uh, story time at a children's um, store, um, which they've ex- been experiencing some negativity in the community. And um, I'm, you know, these are straight people, you know, who are going to do this and I'm going to go there. I'll be there and supporting them. I think that there will be many, many, many people there supporting them. So, because the, they're allies, uh, the owners of the store, a husband and wife and two children. All right. Well, listen, uh, Philip, it has been a delight to talk with you and um, I wish you the best with your show and, and, and happy pride to you. Uh, go pride and um, happy pride to you. Okay. And I can't wait to see you at pride. Okay. Yeah. Together, I will see. Okay, but take care and have a great weekend. Okay, and thanks for all that you're doing with your show. I wish you the best of luck. Okay, thanks for having me on. Thank okay. you. All right, listeners, we've been speaking with uh, Philip Anthony. He is the curator of Downright Upright, or sometimes called Downtown Uptown, a podcast uh, that you can find on the AM 950 website. When you when we come back, I'm going to do my C block talking about my work as an idealist. Thanks. Thank you. We're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio. I told you that um, Philip Anthony would have a lot of energy. I told you that. Okay. And the New York accent. I love the, you know, remember I'm born in Jersey, New Yorker. You, you just don't lose those accents. I don't know if anybody can uh, hear me and hear my New Jersey accent. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am going to take a little bit of um, disagreement with him. When he said that Pollyannish, being Pollyannish and being idealistic were similar to each other, I don't think so at all. Pollyannish is like the world is wonderful and you're not looking at or realizing, not even realizing the challenges in the world. Idealism, on the other hand, is 
No, no. You see the challenges. You see how bad it is. And you're going to work to fix it. That I, I, I so I'm going to, so Philip, I'm just going to disagree with you a little bit. I did, we didn't have enough time in the segment for me to say that because I was running out of time with him, but I thought I'd say it now. And of course, he can't defend me, but I know that Philip, being the way Philip is, he'd, he'd probably say, Oh, Elliot, I'm sure that was, I agree with that. Okay. All right. C block, my work. All right. So, um, a couple of things. First, uh, yesterday, or no, excuse me, Thursday, I, uh, I did a training or a talk uh, for um, the VA um, uh, out of St. Cloud, Minnesota, but I think they had some people from across the country, had 120 people on the, on the talk. And, and the talk that I gave, and it's, you know, you, you just heard, it's Pride Month, and I have a talk, which is um, my coming out story and my wrestling with uh, – trying to suppress my gender identity and realizing that I couldn't do it eventually. The talk is titled Getting to Well in Colon, Gleaning Authenticity from a Moment of Truth. And the VA wanted that talk because it's Pride Month and, you know, it's about recognizing that humans are different. And so uh, – and I also told them at the beginning of the talk that it's not my favorite talk because much of the talk is about me. And I'm not a big fan of aggrandizement as you've heard me say before. Um, uh but, but I, but I, I, you know, I do the talk, and I will talk about my story. Um, but weaved into that story is about the concept of human authenticity, the power of living authentically. And you, you just heard, uh, you know, uh, Philip talk about that when he said finally he came out of the closet. He couldn't believe, you know, the freedom that he felt. The, you know, the exhilarate. He didn't say exhilaration, but that's how I interpreted, it, and certainly that's how I experienced it. It was this. Wow, I can't believe what it's like to finally live whole. And, um, and you know that um, uh, and, and in, my, in my talk with the VA, you know, I talk about how authenticity, not only about gender or sexuality, but I mean, it's about, you know, being authentic. Some people are writers. I, I sat in my old writing group yesterday. It was wonderful. They asked me to come back. I, I, this is the writing group that helped me write my book, Getting to Ellen. And I haven't, I hadn't seen some of those people for a decade because the book came out ten years ago. Still popular, still selling. I just want you to know. And um, and it so warmed my heart to be in that room with my fellow writers. So part of my authenticity is about being a writer. I you come and tell me I could never write another word. I would, I would suffer greatly. And you know, an authenticity for other people is about. It might be about music. It might be about singing. It might be about. You know, acting, it might be about crafting, it, you know, Michael's is your second home. It could be about hiking or fisher, you know, fishing or whatever, you know. Those are all forms of authenticity that, that when we engage in them, we feel – some people, they feel whole, more complete. And you take that away from them. You're like, nope, that's a choice. You don't have to do that. They're going to suffer, okay? So you get the theme of what the talk is about talking about, um, uh, you know, human – authenticity in my talk yes, uh, two days ago with the VA. But uh, as I was concluding that talk, I said to them, one of the things that I learned in the process of coming out, the process of learning that I needed to accept me, Ellie Krug, who happens to be a woman, even though she sounds like a dude, um, I said uh, that life is to be lived and not in endured. And I believe that, actually. I believe that we all need to live life and not simply endure it. 
And then I got this question, you know, we had a little time for questions and somebody asked, how do you know the difference between, you know, living and simply enduring? And I, I thought it was a really great question. And the fact is that we all have tough times. Okay. We all have incredibly tough times, you know, but you know, we plow through those uh, tough times and it's like going on, you know, taking a road, a, a road trip on a hilly road, you hit hills and then you go down and you go, we all have tough times. That's not enduring life. Enduring life is where you keep coming back over and over and over again to the same problem and it keeps eating at you. That's enduring. Okay. Not changing your life when you know that you need to change your life in order to live more authentically or live more healthily or whatever it is, that is enduring, okay? So if you've got the same obstacles all the time and you're not dealing with them, um, that's enduring life. That is not living life. So I thought it was a really great question. So there you go. And uh, apparently the talk was well-received, not Again, no aggrandizement, but I think it's important. I mean, for those that are that are treating our vets, which if I have vets listening right now, thank you. Incredibly thank you for our country. I think it's important, you know, that um, the people treating our vets, that they have an understanding about certain things, the kind of things I talk about. Okay, and then uh, my newsletter went out this week, um, The Ripple. As you know, I, I think it went out to 9,260 people uh, this week. And in the Ripple, I, I wrote about, the, um, about how people have been good to me, um, about empathy and compassion, people who have sent me empathy, people who have engaged in compassion. Empathy is putting yourself in the shoes of someone, f- trying to feel what, what it's like to be them. And compassion is moving from feeling to actually action. Sometimes compassion can just be a hug. Uh, sometimes it can be writing a note to somebody. Sometimes it can be helping them, you know, go grocery shopping or, or sitting and spending time and talking with them. So compassion is action. And I wrote about that, about how I'd been the recipient of both empathy and compassion. Um, I, I am the recipient of a lot of acts of empathy and compassion. I am. I am incredibly lucky uh, that people care about me so much. And I, I, I'm getting word back from that newsletter that people really appreciated me raising uh, the subject of empathy and compassion. And I had somebody who said, told me that they had talked to their supervisor about, about the need to be moved from empathy to compassion within their workplace. So there you go. Ellie Krug, trying to make the world better. Okay, well, that does it for our show. I mean, it's been quick. It's a pride show. Hooray. I give big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson, who's always keeping me in line. And to you, my listeners, come on out. Come on out today. Come out tomorrow. Tomorrow is the Pride Parade downtown Minneapolis. I think they're doing the parade. But come on out. See us at the the booth. Go and see all the other things at Pride, okay? And between now and when you hear my voice next, go out and do something to make the world better. Thanks a lot. Over and out.